This is Eric Caldor, and you're watching the TV Writer Podcast. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web. And by Final Draft Script Writing Software, the entertainment industry standard for script writing worldwide. My name is Gray Jones, and I want to welcome you to the TV Writer Podcast, partner of Script Magazine. Well, today I have the pleasure of introducing a new writer. Well, he's been around for a while. Eric Caldor is a writer, producer, and actor, and he has written for some amazing shows, actually some shows that are very dear to my heart that I, I watched with my family growing up, Kojak, Emergency, The Incredible Hulk, Rockford Files, some really, really cool stuff, and he's got some great stories of how he got to that that point, uh, what it was like to write during that time, and then what he's done since then. And uh, I'm sure you're going to really love the interview. You can follow Eric on Twitter, at Eric Caldor is his Twitter handle, or go to his website, ericcaldor.com, where he's got lots of great blog updates, and also he's got some free chapters from the book that he's writing, which is very, very cool. Make sure you check out the podcast and previous episodes at tvwriterpodcast.com or you can go to blip.tv slash tvwriterpodcast. Also, make sure you do follow me on Twitter, at Gray Jones is my handle. Now, on to my interview with Eric Caldor. Enjoy. This is Gray, and I'm here with writer, producer, actor, Eric Caldor. How are you doing, Eric? Fine today. Well, I really, really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And, uh, you know, it's funny because we get a lot of the, the newest shows and, and people writing the newest shows, but all of us have such fondness in our hearts for the shows of yesteryear. And, uh, and when I think of titles like Emergency, Kojak, The Rockford Files, I mean, these are shows that I, I grew up with that my family watched together. And, uh, and it's so exciting to, to know that you wrote on these shows. Well, thank you. <laughs> it seems like a long time ago, uh-huh. but uh, it's fresh in my mind. Anyway, it was very, it was, uh, it was at a very exciting time. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'm just, just uh, really excited to to talk about your experiences with them. But first, sure. let's let's go back to the beginning. You grew up in Brooklyn, but it, it, very interestingly, you were born on the first day of the Great Depression. Tell me yes, about that. Yes, it was a bad omen, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that very day, the family lost what little they had, and they got me. Wow. I don't think it was a fair exchange. Uh huh. Now, so you didn't go to college, but you became a ski bum. Yeah, I decided that uh, I, I hated school at that time, and I had visions of being a writer, but I didn't know how, and I was scribbling things, and... I got a half scholarship, and I didn't take it, and I grabbed some money, which I shouldn't have, mm-hmm. and I went to see uh, a girl that I thought was my girlfriend, and I saw skiing on the way, and I fell in love with it, yeah, up in, uh, up in uh, Vermont, mm-hmm. so I stayed there, much to the chagrin of my father, who, <laughs> it was a huge thing, but I wasn't going to go to school, that was it. Mm-hmm. But then you actually raced competitively, didn't you? Yes, but in Europe, it was, it was, I was on the B team for the French ski team, you know? Mm-hmm. That was after I really was spent time ski bumming and horsing around, and that uh, ended in a kind of a disaster because I broke my leg. Oh, yeah. Badly. Yeah, I've, I've heard so many of those stories. 
Yeah, this one was really bad in those days. It was, yeah. uh, it was an open, uh, it was just horrible. Hmm. Now, tell me about, you ended up as a special agent in the Counterintelligence Corps. Yeah, yeah, that was a fluke, but it was a terrific experience. Because I was drafted from uh, from Europe, and then I was writing stupid poems and skiing, and uh, I wasn't hurt then. I only got hurt when I got back. Mm-hmm. But uh, I got drafted in Europe uh, at, at the time of the Korean War. They were still drafting. Mm-hmm. And so I had to come home or lose my citizenship or passport or whatever. Wow. So I came home, and I had KP for a month, and I said, I don't know what I'm going to do here. I... I'm going over the hill. I can't take this. I had a pretty good life in Europe. Uh-huh. Here I was, 18 hours a day scrubbing pots. Wow. So a guy next to me said he had a deal, you know, and being ever acute for deals, I said, what was it? And he told me that uh, he was going to go into spy school. And I said, how do you get that? Wow. And he said, I was an insurance detective. So when I filled out my forms, I said I was an insurance detective. Oh yeah, and I, and I got through because of a kindly uh, guy who interviewed me, and he said that's the kind of guy we want for the counterintelligence corps. And it was a wonderful time in my life. The army turned out to be great. Wow. So how long did you do that? Yeah, two years. Wow. Yeah, I did it, and I was a Beverly Hills agent for the counterintelligence corps, and I knew I wanted to get into something like showbiz. I met all these people, and it it helped. It helped, and I, I, I had a terrific time. Wow. It turned out, you know? Mm. So af- now after that, you got into TV as a sports producer. Well, no, I went back to France on the GI Bill because I, I, I wanted to write, and I started racing. That's when I went to a, a wonderful school there, university at Grenoble, mm-hmm. which has been right in the heart of the Alps, you know? I picked it because of that. So I raced around and I got married and I broke my leg. And uh, then suddenly I realized while I was recuperating, which is a long recuperation because they had to cut open my leg and tie wow. it up and it got infected. It was, I was in the hospital a long time. And suddenly I realized that I didn't know if I was a kid from Brooklyn or I was French. I was speaking French pretty fluently, actually mm-hmm. fluently. I was married. I was dressing like a Frenchman. People would ask me if I was from Switzerland, you know, uh-huh. or, or Belgium, because they, they heard an accent. I was pretty good at it. Yeah. And suddenly I said, man, this is not me. I, I can't do this. And I was fighting with my wife anyway. Yeah. So I took off. Very, very bad part of my life. And I got a job in CBS Mailroom. Well, I got a job at Benton Bowles. Mm-hmm. And from there I went to CBS Mailroom. And from there I got a job very quickly as a unit manager. You know, mm-hmm. which was a production manager. Yeah. And I, I did the Olympics in uh, Squaw Valley as a production manager. And when that was over, I wanted to co- wanted to go back to California. Mm-hmm. And somebody wrote a very nice letter of recommendation. Great guy, the producer of uh, The Tonight Show, wrote me an excellent recommendation. I got on at ABC mm-hmm. almost immediately, you know? Wow. So here I was starting to write, and I got a job at ABC, and things were going pretty well. Wow. Yeah, it was fast. It was fast because I thought I was a total failure, you know? Yeah. And this all happened in the space of like two years. Well, yeah, I mean, you had some cool experiences along the way. So I, I imagine, yeah. um, I mean, there's writers who have flowery style and, there, and there's writers who just have cool stuff to say. <laughs> 
or maybe there's both. <laughs> so which were, which were you? Or were you a bit of both? Yeah, I think that I had stuff to stay right from the beginning because of my father and the war and the spying and marriage and the, you know living in Europe. I think I had a leg up on people, and I was always stories were always running in my head anyway, and I was always writing them. Mm-hmm. But I was sort of uh, not loathed, but I I didn't show them right away. I just was writing, and I was a production manager. But I wrote every day. Wow. Yeah, I liked it. I found that I liked it, which was very important to me, that I liked something besides rushing around on a pair of skis and chasing girls. I liked something, you mm. know? And I liked doing it. Now, I, I know that IMDb often has gaps. Yeah. They have all the gaps because all my sports stuff was before 1970. Yeah. And so so what was the first show at ABC that you started on? Uh, Queen for a Day. Queen for a Day. Yes. You remember that by any chance? Uh, no, that that's just a little bit before my time. Well, let me tell you, it was a, it is a ghastly show. And oh, I'm, yeah. I'm writing about it in my novel. Oh, yeah? Because it was a totally dispiriting thing. I mean, I was writing, but if I tell you Queen for a Day was a rigged, kind of a show where they gave away refrigerators to poor people who told their sob stories. That was essentially, it was a very popular show in the, in the early sixties and fifties. It had been on a long time. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, and so uh, were, were you a staff writer first or, or did you just, no, I was just a production manager on that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, from there through various things, I, I, they were doing a, a remote ski show. The first time they've ever done that with, and uh, my boss knew that I was a skier, although I was still limping around, you know. And he assigned me to it, and uh, the sports guys liked me, you know, mm-hmm. making it short. And they said, do I want to come to back to New York? And I thought, again, I thought, geez, I want to be a writer. I don't want to do this. And I mulled it over. But they brought me back, and they made it very lucrative. Not very, but enough, you mm-hmm. know. And I got an apartment uh, right near the ABC, and suddenly I was going all over the world, mostly doing their winter sports. I was down in the summer, but I did a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started off as a production manager, but I started associate producer and then producer of these things, uh, like uh, you know, on the Olympics and uh, all winter sports and, and football and things like that. Mm-hmm. Which was, uh, I, and then I stopped writing because it was so time-consuming. You know, I was I was never in one place. Mm-hmm. So how did that lead into your first writing job? Well, what happened was that uh, on a ski jump, uh, which was a hot dog ski jump, free freestyle ski jumping, mm-hmm. you know that, yeah. that kind of thing. They have it all the time in X Games. I, I, this was the first time they did it, and it rained, and the 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 in run was no good, and I told. Uh, producers of this show up from Alta, Utah, or the owners of it, that we couldn't put this on the air because the guys were getting no height off the jump. Mm-hmm. And I suggested, I said, hey, you're going to have to ice the in-run because I knew, knew that kind of stuff, all that stuff from sports, you know? Yeah. And I went back to my uh, room and uh, waited and did my t- telephone calls and I looked out the window and I saw that they had a forerunner way up in the way up in the on the hill they had iced it these can i say jerks and they let the guy go and he came flying off that hill and he landed and he never got up wow and he died and uh this is really a horrible story wow and 
uh, networks are very political, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to be the scapegoat because I changed the, uh, I was, I was, they said I changed the, the thing and I was responsible for this kid, which I wasn't. I thought they were smart enough to, to test it on low ground or lower down than they mm-hmm. did, you know, yeah. which was normal. I've seen that happen a million times. The kid came from the state of Washington and they got the senator mixed up in it. Oh, my goodness. And my boss was very political. And he said, you know, I think we're going to bring you up on manslaughter charges. I was like, what? Yowie. And I went through that with my lawyer, and I, I, we, we got out of it. My novel, it's a lot longer. And, of course, I was canned. And I came to, back to L.A., pretty much broke, and with my typewriter in those days, and I said, I'm going to make it. I, did, I wasn't too worried for some reason. You know, I said, I can write this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I got a job as an apartment house manager, which covered the thing, you know. Yeah. And I started writing, and about six months, well, less than that, I started selling a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. I found a real half-baked agent, wasn't very good. But she could get me into a few things, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, did very well. I teamed up with a guy who was a dear friend of mine, and we both started writing. It was an amazing, if you want me to hear about it. You sure, yeah. It, I guess you do, because it's about writing. Mm-hmm. So I was bopping along doing a couple of little things, but still not making it. And I met uh, a, a, a guy, because, oh, I was also working for Chuck Barris, writing stuff for him, you know, on the dating game and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah, pop stuff. But I met an actor, a nice guy, who was who uh, got on the show. You know, you pick up a girl and you go all around the world. That's how that show worked. If you remember Dating Game, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, uh, the guy became my friend, and one day he called me and he said, "You know, come over here, will you?" So I went over to his apartment, and he was he had a pretty good story. He said, "How do I write this?" I mean, I just had you know emergency and a couple of things under my belt, mm-hmm. but I knew how to write a screenplay. And I said, why don't we write it together? It was a very good idea. And I was very fond of Kojak because I thought Telly was just great. Mm-hmm. You know? I thought it was a wonderful character. I said, let's write this for Kojak. And I wrote it for Kojak, and I had an appointment with ICM. They turned me down the first time when I showed them all my stupid emergencies, etc. Do you mind if we uh, step just a little bit no, earlier ahead. and tell me about getting that emergency work? Well, that my agent got me. Oh, okay. And that I walked in, and that was interesting. Uh, I see we're going into depth, which is fine. Uh-huh. What an emergency you had to do was, if the guy liked you, Bob Senator's name was, and he acted like a Roman senator, uh-huh. he said, oh, you got to go. I said, I, I, I had an idea. I said, I, 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 and this was episodes. I thought you only have to write one little episode. I didn't mm-hmm. know. You know, I was so green. I thought, I got an idea for a part of a show. And he says, no, you got to write the whole show, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, well, how do you do that? And he said, I'm going to send you to a fire station. He liked the little squib that I did. I yeah. said, but you got to build it up and give me something. He said, so in those days, when you wrote for that show, you had to go to the fire station and hang out. Really? And they put you up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was great. It was another great thing. I went out to Duarte, if you know California, way the hell away from Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And these guys were just great. You know, I ate with them. I slept in the, in the bunk. 
We wow. went out on the fire things, and I had my stories. Wow. Oh, it was just a marvelous, uh, you know, but you had to go. You, I mean, that's the only way you could uh, get an assignment. And wow. when that was finished, you had to go out on another one. And so, so a lot of the stories were really based on real-life experiences. Yeah, you take it and twist it around a little bit, you know, and then put an ending on it, you know, that sort of culmination where all the fire trucks could come down. You never saw those things, but the guys would tell you about it, you mm-hmm. know. And, and, and you'd use that. So it was really kind of easy because the story was written for you if you opened up your ears, you yeah. know. And the guys were such great, nice characters, these firemen. Yeah. They were really super guys. You know, there's always a guy who was the cook who they're making fun of and, and and they were pranking around. It was uh, it was very pleasant going wow. out to those stations. And you sleep there, you'd eat there, you do and, and you were right on the truck. Wow. You know? Yeah. Great, great stuff. Okay, so so back to Kojak. Okay. Well, uh from we, we wrote this Kojak and we sent it to then IFA, which became ICM, the huge ICM. The guy, the, 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 the agent, you know, mm-hmm. we, what, what was once called International Famous, and then they, they became the, this huge behemoth ICM. They had just become that, mm-hmm. International Creative Management. And I just sent it to him. I said, would you take a look at this and reconsider me? And that afternoon, I got a call. Mm-hmm. Hey, we want you. I was amazed. Wow. Just teaming up with Chuck Saylor. His name is Chuck Saylor, dear friend of mine. Yeah and wrote a uh, major novel and uh, lives in Aspen now. But, wow. but we got together, and we fought like crazy for a number of years. But out of that argument, we got really good scripts out. Wow. I mean, he came, we, we were good, as, because this is a writing blog or a writing site. We were good because I could, he was the greatest plotter of the world I had ever seen. He could change things at story meetings right in the middle and give you a totally different story and start selling it. Wow. But he couldn't write a line of dialogue. So it was a very good match. I mean, I wasn't so great at plotting, and I could take get inside these characters and write the hell out of them. So our partnership was very good. Wow. Because it, we could really, we, although he fought me a lot, we had terrible fights. Uh, and then when he wrote the, a bestseller, it was all over, and I started writing on my own. But I never was this, that successful again. I made a living. But hmm. at times, we were writing two episodes at the same time. Wow. And so yeah. so was that um, like clear through Rockford Files and, and Switch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you, you bounced around different shows? Were, were these freelance scripts? or? Well, in those days, I don't know if you know how it worked. Can mm-hmm. you explain that? Uh, sure, go well, ahead. I guess that would be interesting. Yeah. It was all freelance. You understand there was no writer's room. Hmm. There was no five guys in a dark room writing. Huh. You had a writer, a, 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 a showrunner, they didn't even call him that, the executive producer, the producer, executive and producers were always writers, mm-hmm. and you had a uh, production guy who was called the line producer. Maybe you had little a story editor in there, you know, but there were four guys running the show, mm-hmm. not a room full of writers. Yeah. And where they went was freelance. So your agents would go to these guys and say, hey, I got a spec script about Kojak. This guy can write for your show. That's how this worked. Mm-hmm. And we were hired, but it was always freelance, although I did some story editing, you know, but it was... we. There was enough work in those days that writers could make a very nice living going from show to show. 
And if you got five or six or seven shows a year, that was a living. That was pretty good. Yeah. And so, say, taking Rockford Files, uh, for instance, would you, your agent would get you in the door, and would you come That's in right. with ideas for scripts, or would yes. they have something already that they wanted you to do? Well, it's funny. On, on most of them, they did. I'm trying to think of the guy's name. The guy who, and, and maybe you'll remember it because it's a 70s guy, the guy who created Fugitive, I always forget his name. He did a million things. I was confused about that because I always had to come in with stories, you know? So I went into him. I forgot what shows he had. He had a million of them. I guess it was a fugitive or something like that. And I had all these stories. And he says, no, no, no. I do the stories. You just write them. Because he wanted the money for the stories. Oh, okay. But you see, because this is split. You get story money, and then if they okayed the story, you went to script. But it was always his stories <laughs> because he, and he put different names on it, his girlfriends and all that. And we would just take his story and, and, and write it, you know. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, that was the only time I faced that. For the most part, you went in and uh, you had to have ideas. And they shut them down right away. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've done that. Oh, this is not character. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. But if you hit it right... You would then to say, okay, they say go to go to story, and that meant you you gave them a, like a ten page outline. Then you'd sweat it out till you got the call from your agent. Okay, you can go to script. Once you went to script, it was a done deal. Hmm. You, you 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 had a script to give them and a polish. That was it. Wow. Polish of that script. But once you got past story, so there were a lot of stop gaps before you got you know hired. So in some ways, it was more like feature writing. Because that's like today's feature writing. That's a lot of the process where where you have yeah. the outline and then it goes to script and you have the right, polish. Right, right, and then you have the polish. Except that there are a million guys writing them, you know. Yeah, and they're polishing each other. Here, you only have the executive who is doing a one guy editing you mostly. You know, mm-hmm. if you got it right, then there was very little editing, and and that was the end of it. But uh, now I know that there's you know the twenty guys are taking a whack at your, your work. Then it was only one or two. Hmm. And so, so the last credit on IMDb that you have um, in that stretch of time was Incredible Hulk in 1980. Um, yeah. And so were you still writing with Chuck at that point? No, I was writing alone. Uh, alone, okay. And then, and then what happened then? Well, I got married again, and we started a business. I was still kept on writing things, you mm-hmm. know? And I got interested. Uh, I helped my wife with her business which is very successful, and we moved, and we had two kids to bring up, you know, and I, I couldn't, I, I needed a steady, steadier work, you know. Mm-hmm. So I still wrote at night amongst the clatter, but I became kind of uh, interior decorator. That's the job she wasn't really, I just drove the truck around, you know. Mm-hmm. But And I kept on hacking away, and then a friend of mine, who was a good friend of mine, called me, and he wanted to know who a photographer was and he was a, he was like a used car salesman I said what do you need a photographer he said well I went on a commercial audition with my grandkid and they wanted to know if I wanted a part and I clicked in my head I can do this besides all this stuff with my wife I can be an actor you know? hmm. so I got pictures taken and I started doing commercials pretty pretty much off the bat wow right yeah and I also was writing on, you know, for magazines and stuff like that. I got, I, I published in, in various magazines, you know, long, now long defunct, all kinds of things from racquetball to, uh, 
do uh, semi stuff on, uh, I don't think that what it was. Uh, it was one of uh, Guccione's things, you know. Mm-hmm. I had a, I had, I sort of took a Chekhov story and I made it dirty. You know, I was doing those kind of things. Mm-hmm. You know? But I really wasn't writing until about, I was writing, but not as hard as I am now. Yeah. And uh, and so you you've even been acting pretty recently. You were on House and you were on ER and yeah, and, uh, the last ten years. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not it's not frequent, but I've I just finished a thing on I don't know if you heard uh, I never even heard of the show. It's called uh, uh, Raising Hope. I mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I just did a couple of lines on that last week. Mm-hmm. But I get those little things. You know, it's fun. I yeah. don't need it. I got plenty of. You know, I'm set. But I do it. For ego and self-satisfaction, or I should say self-satisfaction, uh-huh. while I'm writing. But I mostly, my main impetus is a novel, which I write at least three hours a day on. Mm-hmm. And that's been going on for about a year. Now, you, you have a website. My novel is on there. Mm-hmm. And uh, blogs about all the kind of writing, you know, yeah. that people want to go there. Because I have blogged about... Oh, all sorts of things, Kojak and Rockford File and all the rest, and all the people who are important to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think the stories are, are by hope. They're interesting. Yeah. I, I, and then I've, I've, I've also voiced, because I do, do some voiceovers. You do everything in this business, as you know, you know? So I voiced the novel that's on there by, there are eight chapters with my voice, and then there are a lot of blogs and tweets that are, you know, about what I'm doing. But I'm hoping that I can get a pretty good publisher if I get a following, frankly. You know? mm-hmm. Well, it's fascinating, actually. Um, I've, I've heard of people going in to pitch books and being, and the first question they're asked is, how many followers do you have on Twitter? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no kidding, because yeah. I have a whole slew of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many, but every day I get... 30 tweets, new mm-hmm. tweets, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I assume I'll be able to use that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a funny time we're in. Yeah, that's how I plan to market the book. Yeah. Because there's no work for me. If I were to go, uh, I'll, you want to know my age, I'll tell you. Mm. Uh, they would laugh at me. I mean, I would I couldn't get through the front door uh-huh. in, uh, uh, on, a, on a sitcom. And I could write those things. I had a buddy, even with Dallas, my ex roommate was producing it. He couldn't get me on. I was wow. Old. Dallas. Wow. You know, I was writing then. Yeah. So now, I, at, I'm 82. You think yeah. I walked through the door with 10 Harvard grads doing funny lines? I mean, they, they, they were just, they, they couldn't handle it. You know, mm-hmm. they would just laugh. And they're right. So I got to write a novel. That's the only way I can. That's the only way I can express myself because there's no work in television. A lot of people do. I mean, look at uh, Stephen Cannell. Um... Oh well, yeah, he just died. I worked for him. Yeah, he was an interesting guy. Well, he he was one of the most prolific show creators in oh, Hollywood. God. And uh, yes, and yet yes, yes, he hit a point where he he just um, got squeezed out. Yeah, and then he started writing those novels. Yeah. He died very, 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 very early. Yeah. He was bad. Yeah. Oh, no. Steve was quite a guy. I'm, I, I worked for him. Mm-hmm. He, he's a born writer in a way, since this is a writing thing, because his background was he was a very rich guy. Mm-hmm. And his father, his parents owned the biggest, ritziest furniture company in Los Angeles. And they, they wanted him to take it over, too. And, and well, he did for a while. Oh, is that, you know all about him. Yeah, yeah. And he just wanted to write. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, and dyslexic. And he, he could just churn it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was a he was an impressive looking guy. He was a huge guy, guy, a good looking guy. He had a show he had a show later mm-hmm. when he was on camera. Yeah, you know, he was on Castle. Yeah, he was a he was a he was an if there are geniuses, I, he he was one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in this business, I don't know if you could call it genius, but he was very very talented. So so you're writing this book. You've got uh, seven eight chapters. Is is it and eight um, chapters. so that so that's your goal right now. You want to publish this book and and what else? What what else have you got on the on the table? Well, I mainly it's the book, which is also about a lot about it's all about Hollywood and writing. You know, not all of it, mm-hmm. but uh, but a great part of it is about writing and 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 what happened. I mean, it's a Roman a clever, let's say. Uh, you know, I don't I don't make it an autobiography. I make it fiction. But essentially, there's a lot of writing in it about what happens. And but what I, all I want to do is, is is write, and if I get a few small parts or a commercial. You know, that's that's uh, that's just gravy. I, I I go out and and do my best at this time. You don't get many calls, but mm-hmm. when you do, uh, you kind of you know because I'm kind of a character, an old character. I yeah. get it, you know, and I have long hair. You know, if they want an old cowboy or a bum, I I frequently get those kind of little gigs. Yeah, well, that's a, that sounds fun, and uh, I mean, yeah, it is. There's there's a lot of people. Um, who hit their 60s and start just watching TV. I, oh, they just fade. I know people, if, if this, if, if, if I, I can mention a name, because he was one of the best writers I've ever known, who created, uh, what was that thing with the car? That, Knight Rider? Knight Rider. He yeah. created Knight Rider. He created so many things. He was so prolific. He produced, he wrote, he stopped at 60 and never looked back. Wow. Never touched, never touched it again. And he was a born writer. Wow. I mean, he was born to it. He came from very humble beginnings. He was like a truck driver, you know, and he just churned this stuff out. And when it was over, it was over. He never even talks about it. Really? Which is rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel sorry for him because he just, he didn't give up. He just looked at it askance, you know? Wow. And he had plenty of money. I mean, he's still getting money from Knight Rider, you know? Wow. I mean, he he made that show and Mm. yet he walked away. And I know other, but most writers keep on. I have so many friends in their 70s and 80s who still are at it, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think my writing is much better now. Well, I'm sure it is. It was. I hope. Yeah. I hope. Well, that is uh, some really, really neat stuff. And, and, oh, speaking about your Twitter, it's Eric Caldor. Um, pretty easy to remember. Make sure if you're watching the podcast that you follow Eric on Twitter and, uh, and your website. EricCaldor.com. In one word, yeah, E-R-I-C-K-A-L-D-O-R, K-A-L-D-O-R.com. Yeah. And I appreciate anybody going there. And any any suggestions or critiques, I take seriously. Great. Well, um, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this uh, interview. Well, it's lovely to, have to talk to you. I appreciate it, too. Yeah, know? and best of luck to you. And, uh, and you. keep keep us updated on, on the book and, and how it's going. I absolutely will, and, and thank you again. Great. Okay, well, thanks so much. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web. And by Final Draft Script Writing Software, the entertainment industry standard for script writing worldwide. Uh-huh.